0: So Adam, thanks for talking to us man. Like I don't I let's just be honest I have no idea how this is gonna go like really I just wanted to talk to you um, And like your email was really interesting to me about like where you're at in your life right now and the steps that you're taking to like uh, figure some shit out and um dude, you were like I was talking to uh, my girlfriend about this before I got on I was like this dude I'm about to talk to is like the epitome of like a successful guy. Like I just looked at like your LinkedIn profile and I looked at like your other stuff and I'm like, man, this guy's got it made, but (laughs) it seems like you don't really feel that way. A hundred percent. I don't. Yeah. Why Uh, not though?
1: uh, I've, uh, I've got a mean case of imposter syndrome, I think.
2: Well, and, and before we go too far, um, Adam, do you mind just giving us like a, a quick rundown of kind of, what you do and and how you got there just to create a frame of reference
1: yeah for sure so um i uh i'm a i'm in my mid-30s now um and i uh i work in um i'll say i'll say i work in investment banking so it's a very demanding field uh and uh to get there i um I have a, you know, I pursued an MBA before that, and I have a, an engineering degree from a prestigious Canadian university. Um, and I worked, I worked my, my tail off to to get where I am, to put myself in a position where I can, I can do what I do, and it's a, it's a, it's a position that um, there's a long lineup of folks that, that want to do it. You know, we, I, I'm in charge of recruiting, um, for my company at uh, at my alma mater and um we'll get application you know for when, when we're hiring incoming mbas we'll we'll uh, get upwards of a thousand uh, a thousand applications per annum and we might take one or two uh so you know you kind of you end up in an elite company when you're or you know so-called elite company when you're when you're sitting in
0: the seat that i do and how long have you been at the company that you're with or like how long have you been doing? Like you said, you're in investment banking. Like how long has this been like the career path that you've been on? Yeah, I've, I'm about six years in now. So you
1: get hired in out of your MBA and it's sort of like being in the military. You do so many years as a, as an analyst or an associate and then so many years as a VP and so many years as a director. So right now I'm a, I am ai did my, my associate years and those are the sort of like grueling years where you do um, anywhere from 70 to 100 hour work weeks. Uh, and to give you sort of a sense of what that's like, um, in my first three months, the the learning curve was so steep for me that um, I didn't I didn't take a single day off, uh, including obviously including weekends, and weekends were like ten or twelve hour days. Um, and during that span, I lost thirty pounds. And when I Ooh. like resurfaced, um, saw my family at Christmas time, they they urged me to go see a doctor because they thought I had some sort of terminal illness because I had, had wasted away so much.
0: Wow. That's, that's crazy. How long ago was that? So that was, um, five years ago. Wow. All right. And has it gotten like that bad again? Like, I mean, like that schedule no. that you went through, like has, is like, is that something you've been following for the last five years or is it like? No, down? No, or... no, no, So, um, I've, uh, I did that, I did that sort of
1: schedule for probably my first 18 months there. And then it got a little bit better and it sort of backed off to sort of, you know, 70 hour weeks consistently. So that was, that was, that was a big improvement. Um, and now I probably work about 60 hour weeks. Um, I've been, you know, I've been promoted in that, in that interim period. So now I'm a vice president in investment banking. Um, oh, wow! So the, the hours are a little bit better for me.
0: Okay, so like interesting. So like I mean, I know nothing about this world, right? So like when you when you got promoted, it didn't increase your workload, it actually decreased it or just increased like it, it I mean, assuming it increased your compensation, but then it also like decreased the amount that you had to work? Yeah, that's right. So
1: the 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 junior folks in investment banking, the analysts and the associates, and I was an associate at the time, work the you know, they do the heavy lifting. They do all the analysis, or, you know, virtually all the analysis and research and things like that. Um, and then you get to the vice president level and you, sh- and you become increasingly responsible for business development and client-facing type obligations. So mm-hmm. the, the work is, there's still a lot of work to do, um, but the demands are, are different. They're perhaps a little less, uh, the demands are a little bit less with respect to time and more about um, uh, the, 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 you know, the value that you add to the organization by way of the relationships that you have, the idea generation that you bring um, you know, higher, higher, higher level stuff rather than just crunching numbers.
0: And uh, is this like a career that, like, I mean, if you were to continue on it, right? Like, is this something that you would do? like You said you're in your mid thirties. Is this something that you do for another twenty, thirty years, or is that like the traditional path? Or do like people do something else afterward? Generally, people retire from this job, uh, so they'll they'll get to director,
1: managing director, which is another couple promotions for me uh, if I were to keep doing it. Um, so people sort of retire from this job at the age of about. 45, 50 at the generally the oldest. Um and uh and then they'll they'll sort of be on, you know, boards, boards of directors and and and, and sort sort of enjoy their uh
0: much more accommodating
1: lifestyle thereafter and just work for pleasure rather than for money.
0: hmm Now is that something that like is that kind of the track that you're on right now, or the or at least the track that you started to see yourself on when you when you first started? Um,
1: I think if I'm honest with myself, but I've always questioned whether or not I had it in me to, to do this for that long. Uh, you know, another 10 or 15 years is, is a long time. Um, so I'm certainly on that track and by all, you know, anybody who's, you know, observing my career, they would assume that's the track I'm on. Um, but I'm not sure I want to keep up that, that lifestyle. It's, uh, you know, you give up a lot of things when you work, Sixty-five hours a week or seventy hours a week, mm-hmm. and you have a family, right? I've got two young girls, um, and uh, so my my youngest is uh, twenty-one months. And my oldest just turned three last month, um, and uh, so one of the thing, like one of those like aha moments I had recently was uh, I came out of um, I came out of a, a meeting with a client. And I wanted to Facetime with my daughter before uh, before she went to bed, and I was standing outside a subway station waiting to go back downtown. So I Facetimed with her quickly, and she said, "Daddy, um, are you going to sleep in the office again tonight?" And I said, "I said, sweetheart, I don't sleep in the office." And she said, "Yes, you do." And she was insistent that I did because oftentimes I'll be gone in the morning before she gets up, and and I don't I don't see her before she before she goes to sleep at night uh, during the week. So that was that was a bit rough and and uh you know made me maybe take a step back and evaluate the the lifestyle i've got
0: right now for sure have you gone yeah like have you gone like a full day without like seeing your daughters yeah yeah for sure
1: i travel a little bit with my job as well so there's obviously times when you know i'll be on the road and i don't see them for a few days at a time
2: yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so um to just kind of, I guess, start a conversation in a, a direction here. Sure. If you weren't doing this, do you have, are there things that you want to be doing instead or, or things that you have considered doing as an alternative to this?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I used to, I used to work in engineering. I worked in, uh, I worked in in corporate finance before this, uh, in a, in a role that was much less demanding of my time. Um, so I know what that's like. And when I was doing those things, like when I was an engineer, for instance, I, didn't, I, didn't, I was sort of discontent when I was an engineer and that's why I did my MBA uh, to try to find myself wow. something that, that, I, that I found more fulfilling. And then while I was doing my MBA, um, I actually did my MBA part-time while I was working. So those, those were like long hours. And I found that mm-hmm. really fulfilling uh, because I was, by day I was sort of putting in practice what I was learning at night. Um, and I I was really good at it. I was, I was being rewarded both, uh, at school with, with, I was getting like this external validation through these good marks I was getting in school and, and the, um, you know, the positive feedback I was getting from, uh, from the folks that I worked with during the day. So I I found that to be a really rewarding period. Um, so I, you know, if I, if I weren't doing what I'm doing today, I would probably have a role. Um, that was not entirely dissimilar to what I was doing before this, which is like a, you know, uh, uh you know, a fairly senior corporate finance type role. Yeah.
0: Would that, yeah. I'm curious, would, would that feel like a step down? Like, would that be perceived as like a step?
1: Yeah. A hundred, a
0: hundred percent Nate.
1: Yeah. It, it would definitely be perceived as a step down. So what I'm doing now is sort of what, like I, I sort of, describe the dynamics where you'll get like a thousand applications for one or two, one or two successful candidates. And these applications come in from all over North America, from the most uh, prestigious business schools um, in Canada and the U S um, so they're not, you know, they're generally not slouches. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's a tough, it's a tough job to get. And then once you have it, people are very reticent to to vacate the seat. So when you do vacate the seat, People or in my industry, at least, view it as sort of a failure, um, mm-hmm. either of you know, of character or or technical ability or something. You know, something it's not good. It doesn't reflect well on you if you if you take a step back. Um, at least that's what that's the way people that's the way people talk around the office and around around the street. But um, I think in the back of everybody's mind, everybody's a little bit jealous that that person had the backbone to uh subordinate you know their career for more important things like their family their interests their health their friends um but we don't i don't think we often admit it to one another because it, it's sort of the, it's, like a, it's like a it's like a it's a protective mechanism for the industry like you don't get a bunch of people to to, to slave away at this if
2: they think they they have better things to do absolutely uh, yeah that's actually it's it's funny because um so I, I don't come from uh from banking but i come from uh software and sure. software has kind of a a similar ethos where it it creates almost like a uh, i call it a cult but there's like a cult like atmosphere where it's it's like a nobody's really in charge of doing it but the culture it like guides people to be competitive with each other and like you got to be the first one in the office or the last one to leave. And if you're like the first one to leave everybody, they all want to be the first one to leave, but for whatever reason it, it feels really dirty. Like you're doing something awful to the company. If you, if you are the first one to make that move and it kind of like, it builds this momentum where everybody's just doing more and more and more, even though it's not technically expected of you and nobody really wants to do it. I, I, I have you noticed kind of the same thing?
1: It, yeah. Like we're, it, it, you're describing the culture that exists in in investment banking for sure
2: yeah i it's it's such an interesting like it's an interesting phenomenon the way that, yeah, that a little that bit into words
1: like it, it's it's self defeating in a lot of ways because a lot of guys that i shouldn't say guys a lot a lot of people both both men and women that are um you know really bright really hardworking, really capable sort of crash out of the industry really quickly because they're they're chewed up by that by that cutthroat culture really quickly
0: mm, and yeah. it seems like a, it's almost like this like admit uh, like admittance of weakness if like you get chewed up and spit out right like if you're like you can't handle your shit or you'd like you said like you take a step down uh or at least that's what it looks like to go do something else but that allows you more free time it's just interesting yeah. to me that that scene is like i mean it makes sense but it's interesting to me that like that scene is like a, a failure yeah yeah it's not it's not healthy do you like Do you talk to other people in your industry about this like is this like a like or or is, is like everyone kind of like putting on airs like they're like ah oh, it's not that bad like are people like real about like how they're feeling do you get the sense that anyone's feeling like you do like in your company or in in your industry
1: i know that people feel the way i do but they don't they don't have
0: they don't articulate
1: it um so we we sort of um you know, like we'll talk about the hours that we work or the amount of sleep that we get as sort of a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. You know, like For five hours for four nights in a row or something like that. And we it's almost like with this pride that you talk about it. Um But it's 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 almost like akin to the humble brag. Like you, you say it so that you get I don't know what it is, like Admiration or pity from from whoever whoever your audience is, but you don't really want to be telling them that you you slept for five hours for four nights in a row. Like nobody really wants to do that. Yeah, but Before you get that's so like helpful. whatever. Yeah, or or how many hours you work per day or something.
2: Yeah, it's like the celebration of of who can be the the biggest masochist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Uh, this this is all sounding very familiar to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um so I'm curious now, like in terms of uh in terms of work life balance, I know that's something that like in your email to me, you wrote like you have all these like external trappings of success. Like you said, like you have like a you know a nice house, you obviously have like a, a great job that's very in demand. Um nice suits or whatever like is that the stuff that you like like does that stuff mean anything to you right now was it something that you chased when you were younger or yeah I'm just curious if you can talk a little like, bit about it that
1: it's certainly become less and less important to me as i've uh <laughs> as my thinking about these these sorts of issues have have evolved and matured um but yeah to a like to a huge extent like i went to um I'll give you a little bit more background on me. I went to a private high school, and I sort of came from a rough neighborhood. I grew up mm-hmm. in a, I grew, frankly, I grew up in a shitty neighborhood. I had to run real fast to make sure I wasn't, I didn't have any additional holes in me by the end of the day. Um, and then I, I got chipped off by my parents at, at my own insistence um, to this, uh, you know, modestly priced private high school. Um, and what it did was it made me realize that. I like in my neighborhood, I was upper middle income at this private high school. I was like a hillbilly. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. what it did was like, it, it sort of ingrained in me this, this aspiration for more. And it, it made me work, work really hard to keep up with, you know, the rich kids that I was surrounded with and, and to, and to one up them and uh, to beat them. Uh, And then I sort of, continued that for the next like 20 years of my life to, to gather the the sort of earmarks of success that I saw them and their families have, which was mm-hmm. a nice house, a neighborhood that was, you know, most in demand and, you know, a nice car and a watch like my best friend's dad's watch when I grew up and from, from high school at least. Um, so yeah, I pursued all of those like outward physical signs of, of success. Like I definitely regarded like, my salary is as the way to keep score in, in the game of life for sure.
0: Well, it's so interesting to me too, because I feel like, uh, I mean, I, I maybe not to like, uh, maybe not to like a big extent, but I, I definitely went through that phase too. And it's interesting that like, um, you don't know how, unfulfilling it is until you actually get those things like I feel like when you don't have them you can always tell yourself the story that it's gonna be amazing once you get them and things are gonna like be better but once you have it like once you once you can travel or once you can do once you have the nice watch or the nice car like I don't mean to downplay them because I mean it's nice to have nice things Um, but it really it loses its appeal uh, really quickly
1: because you realize you're the same person with a nice watch
2: yeah. Yeah. There's a, sorry, there's um. there's a, a, like a concept that I have been trying to really nail home for myself and that I, I talk a little bit about in my writing, which is the idea of, of I'll be happy when. And so we, we set these like external milestones for where happiness lies. And it's kind of like, you know, happiness is is just at the top of this mountain, and then you get up to the top of the mountain and you see all the other mountains that that still are left to be climbed, yeah. and so you you know all you really get from like whatever your milestone was, whether it's a nice watch or a nice house, you know. So yeah, you decide, oh, I want this this fifteen thousand dollar watch, and then you get it, and then you've just opened up watch subculture, and now you know there's a hundred thousand dollar watch, and you go, well, shit, now I need that watch. Um, or the same with, you know, houses and, and salaries and everything like you can never have the the absolute best of anything. And even if you do, someone will come up with something slightly better or slightly newer or slightly more expensive later. And it keeps moving the 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 idea of happiness, like outside of of you and into this end goal of a thing or a, a you know, a, a destination. Um, yeah. And so the the idea that we have been kind of trying to hammer home in ourselves, like especially me, because I'm really guilty of it, is um, trying to remember that like happiness, typically speaking, is like you said, when you were in, when you were doing your MBA, you were, you felt really fulfilled by that because you were happy to be doing something challenging in your school and you were happy to be putting that into, into practice. And while there, there was ostensibly the goal of, um, getting an mba like the journey in and of itself was fun um and i think that's been a really important thing for me is is realizing that the the most happy i ever feel is when i'm doing something challenging and like the the thing that i'm doing or the outcome that i'm hoping for tends to be less about like it, the th- the the outcome doesn't matter so much as as the fact that i'm feeling challenged and working towards something interesting and, and fulfilling for me in the meantime um yeah it's almost like I know, that was a little ranty but does that make sense <laughs> yeah i know 100 like the, the journey is the
1: is the uh is where you derive the value from not necessarily the destination
2: yeah absolutely do you uh i'm curious
0: just like kind of switch gears for a minute because like we've uh, let's say we have a, a good background of you right um And we kind of have like, I don't know, let's just say the problem, uh, if you want to call it a problem, but have you, I know, I know in your email, you mentioned that you were like maybe taking some next steps by just like talking to some friends and your mom and just kind of letting people know where you're at with things. And I'm wondering if you have like other next steps in mind to like, you've identified a problem and you're a very ambitious driven person and clearly, so I'm wondering if you've like tried to like set up uh, the the direction that you want to go in next,
1: um, yeah, that's a good question. So, I'm I think I'm still I'm still, um, I'm still trying to get my head around in, entirely what what it is that will that will make me happy, um, but certainly bringing uh, a better a better work life balance to my life would would probably go a long way to um <laughs> to curbing some of that discontent that I continually have.
0: And I think what is, it, say again? Sorry. Yeah, sorry. I'm interrupting you because the the lag in the audio. But what uh what does work life balance mean to you? Like if you can like because like I feel like with with a lot of these things, right, if we don't define them, um, they're just kind of nebulous and just like ideas. So I'm just curious, like very sure. specifically, like if you could like what does that mean to you, work life balance?
1: Sure. So I think previously I didn't have work-life balance. I had work-work balance, which it really meant that I subordinated everything to my job and I worked as much as was, as was demanded or expected, or I perceived was demanded or expected of me. Um, And I think a little bit deeper issue. I think, I think part of it is that I've always sort of sought external validation of, 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 my my own worth, rather than deriving it internally, um, so that that sort of drove the wrong the wrong behaviors and and, and really made me um, uh, crave and seek the the approval of folks in authority positions in my life, whether it was teachers or professors or uh, parents, and, and you know going a long way back uh, and more recently um peers and bosses and clients um but at at any rate a work-life balance to me now means um working working enough to, to to be a good provider for my family and give them the things that give them the first of all the things that they need obviously but also satisfy some of their wants as well but not more than that whereas previously i was working i sort of fooled myself into saying i was being a really good provider but i was I was probably doing you know way way more on the work side than i needed to mm-hmm. and 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 not nearly enough on the family side um to uh to nourish those important relationships in my life
0: so for you it'd be like uh, if you, if work-life balance is achieved by you it's basically like uh i Still, stay ambitious. I still do my work, but it has a direct purpose, and the purpose is to provide for my family, some like to meet every one of their needs and some of their wants, like maybe a vacation or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but also, you need to feel challenged, right? Yeah, exactly. So previously, the I I, I I sort of fooled
1: myself into thinking that I was I was pouring all this effort into making a lot of money to to bring. Uh, stability and security to my family, but really, what it was doing was—it was—it was, it was seeking that external validation from from my clients, from my bosses, from my peers at work, um, and it was—it was really, you know, trying to patch those holes in my delicate ego through, um, you know, killing it at work, and getting good peer reviews, and getting good formal reviews at the end of the year, and getting that odd pat on the back like job well done. It wasn't really about the money I was making. It was about getting that that hit of validation from from anyone, from somebody who I perceive whose opinion I you know, held held in in esteem and
0: Let me Yeah. Say, uh, it, well, and it, it's Sorry, go ahead, Nate. Um I was going to say I I'm, I'm just curious. So you don't need to like I'm not going to ask you what your salary is or anything like that, but I'm curious, like how much less money could you make to satisfy all the needs um, of your family and sure. some of their wants? And 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 I don't know if that necessitates uh, a different house, a different whatever, right? I'm just curious, like, do you have a number in mind? I, could or like maintain, pr- well, I,
1: know, I know what these numbers are because I've been thinking about this a lot lately, Um <laughs> I be yeah, no no, no that's fine. I can maintain my current lifestyle virtually unchanged and make a third less sorry two thirds less I can make a third of what i'm making right now mm.
2: Jesus Christ <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome man no that's yeah, that's, that's actually such a cool like I feel like that's got to be a huge relief because if um like I know when I was – when I was doing like the serious workaholism, um, I had it in my – I had the same kind of thing in my mind where I was like, oh god, I got to keep going. Like I got to make more. I got to do more, sell more. And at a certain point I realized that like I I was having to come up with excuses to spend the money I was making. Like I didn't need any – I didn't need any money. Like I I'm – I lived on like maybe maybe half of what I was making and the rest of it I totally blew on dumb shit like going out to way more expensive dinners and buying crap that sat in my house and never got used um because I felt like I needed to spend the money I was earning. So I had this weird vicious cycle of here's a bunch of money that I'm making and I feel like I need to go out and make more but then I was like well shit I better find a way to spend this money which then yeah. convinced me that I needed that much money. You know what I mean?
1: yeah it's uh it's an, it, for sure it's an easy trap to fall into and you like it, it's self-perpetuating uh, perpetuating i think because you why would you do all of this if you didn't have a use for the money mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, it's got to go somewhere
0: well and i totally this is totally it, the, this is something that i mean it may be a cliche at this point right but maybe some people don't don't think about it this way but like um money is only just like one form of like Currency, right? Like you also have time. You also have like mobility. Um, maybe a few others. And so it's really interesting that like you become really, like, you know, financially wealthy or financially rich or however you want to say it. You have you have more than enough. But the thing that you're lacking, um, and, and lots of people are lacking, is uh, is time. Time to like I don't know, tuck your daughters in at night and see them in the morning when they wake up, so they don't think you're sleeping under your desk or something. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah that that's absolutely <laughs> right and um i've I've said on occasion i don't think I, I necessarily live by it but I understand it intellectually I've said I can always make more money but I can't make more time mm-hmm. so i I'm, I'm, I'm often like very pleased to trade my money for time like i'll you know I'll, I'll pay for convenience I'll pay for service I'll pay for simplifying my life if it gets me time back um, but it'd be a lot easier if there were like you know, systemic or structural changes in my life to to free up that time because I'm making Mm. more money than I need to live on.
0: So I'm, all right. So I'm curious then, like just, uh, just, just for fun now, like, I don't know, I don't know, we need to get into like action steps and solving problems and things, but I think it's really cool that you've done the math already and figured out that you need one third, uh, of what you're making right now to, to basically live an unchanged kind of life. So I'm curious, um, this seems like a relatively new thing, uh, like like really putting a, a, a magnifying glass on this on this issue that you're going through right now with like work life balance and working a lot. But I'm curious, um, what's stopping you right now from, I don't know, going back and doing something with engineering or doing something that would just free up more of the time that you have, and maybe 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 viewed as a step down. Um, I'm just curious if like you've, if, if you've walked through that as a possibility, like yeah. leaving investment banking.
1: Yeah, I have certainly. So I've, I've been, I've been sort of boiling the ocean a little bit on what my universe of, of options looks like. And what, what I'm, you know, you sort of draw that Venn diagram between, um, you know, what you're good at, what people, you know, what those, what, what skills you can bring to the table that people will actually pay you for and what, what you enjoy. So I've certainly been thinking about those, those things and, um, yeah, there's other opportunities available to me and I'm starting, I'm starting to, uh, consider them. Uh, and I, am not, I'm not hanging up my cleats just yet. Um, and I'm trying to figure out whether, whether other, whether there's a way that I can do what I do, um, and sort of temper the, at least some of my perceived, um, uh, barriers to happiness, like, do I really need to be there for seventy hours a week, or is fifty hours enough? And if it is fifty hours, can I can I be happy working fifty hours? Does it bring the right work life balance? And am I am I able to dedicate enough uh, time and energy to the things that are certainly more important than than than
0: um, than investment banking in my life? Well. So here, here's a question really quickly then. Do you enjoy what you do? Like, let, let's say that you could work 50 hours a week doing exactly what you're doing right now, um, like being uh, vice president in investment banking. Like, yes. would would that, would you stick with it if you could like cut your hours down to 50 and like- Without
1: hesitation, yes.
0: I actually really like the nature of the work that I do
1: and it brings me a lot of fulfillment and it's, it's intellectually stimulating, it's challenging. I enjoy the clients that I deal with some of the personalities of course can be difficult at times but you get that everywhere um but i think i think certainly there there's at least some external expectation that the the hours aren't 50 they're more like 70 um some of that exists but a lot of it is self-imposed
0: do people track that. that say again do people track that like i mean like do people know how much you work or is it just like it's not that they. It's not like they're sitting around with a stopwatch, clocking my hours. Um,
1: but if I'm responsive at 10 p.m. on a Thursday, uh, they'll note that. It's it's mm. noted when you're. You know, I I notice when people don't respond to an email quickly, and it I have to wait till the next day or two days later. Um, so that's the way it manifests itself. It's not that people are sitting around with a with an odometer, clicking my miles as I go. Um, but they'll, when, they'll when know, you they'll know when I'm responsive for sure.
2: When you say that you you note when someone doesn't respond, like does that mean that you would then kind of unconsciously penalize them later for that?
1: Uh, no, I mean you're, that's a good, that's a really interesting point, Jason. It's not like you 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 know you you put a demerit beside their name, of course. Um, and maybe it's almost envy because you you know that uh, they're they're comfortable enough that they don't have to respond right away and you, and you feel compelled to. Um, so that's why I'm saying at least some of it is self-imposed because I don't necessarily, you know, I don't penalize people. i just, it's, it's noteworthy to me that, that uh, somebody isn't as responsive as uh, I, you know, the standard I hold myself to.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, so I, I'm, I, the reason I ask is because I had a, a really like eerily similar kind of situation where I had a schedule that was more or less like I would wake up checking my email and I would fall asleep on my keyboard. Um, And I was, you know, if I wasn't asleep, I was on. And if somebody texted me enough times, I would wake up in the middle of the night to solve whatever that problem was. So I, um, I had kind of the same thing where I felt like I I had to be accessible at all hours. And and if I emailed somebody who was on my team at you know, 9.30 p.m. and they didn't respond, I would, I would notice that and it would kind of like not bother me, but I would, I would like just be aware that it was happening. Um, and so I would hold myself to this crazy schedule, like, oh, if somebody emails me at at eight and I don't respond, that means that I'm bad at my job. And then I, I kind of hit this breaking point where, um, you know, I, I tell the story sometimes of how my, my beard died and fell out in patches. Um, And it was because I was I was putting in these like crazy, you know, 90 hour weeks. And I just decided like I actually chose to uh, I I chose to go like full nuke and pave like just (laughs) let's just burn this whole thing down. And I had decided that I was just not going to take calls after certain points. So I was like nine to nine to six. And after those hours, before those hours, my phone was not even going to accept calls. They would go straight to voicemail and I wouldn't check email, all that stuff. And. I had fully expected that my career was going to suffer as a result, and that my clients would notice and they would be pissed and there would be emergencies and my team would be stranded with no direction. And what I found was that my entire team was relieved because I wasn't putting them under pressure to be available all the time. And that my clients didn't even notice because they don't expect anybody to work after business hours. They'll just they do it if you let them. Um, And I, I don't know how that translates outside of my industry, you know, because obviously websites are, are a little less of a high emotional charge than people's money. Um, but I also know that like from, from my understanding of it, at least the, the banking industry has business hours because like things open and close and, and like don't function on weekends and stuff like that. So I'm not hundred percent sure, you know, again, I'm kind of talking out of my ass about the, the finance industry, but, um, do, is that something that like is maybe the case where everybody's kind of, Putting themselves under under the pressure to be available when really, if they weren't available, the only one who'd be feeling the pressure is, is them. Um,
1: I, I think it's a, I think it's a little bit of yes and no. So I was saying that it's, some of it is external and some of it is sort of self perpetuated. Um, I've had clients mention to me that they they notice when um, I reply to an email at ten p.m. and they'll, they'll note that one of my competitors doesn't do the same thing, for instance. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that the guy who replies at 10 PM gets the business and the guy who doesn't, doesn't, um, because I think they pay for more than just you know responsiveness at 10 PM. They're paying you for your, the insights that you provide and the, and the, uh, you know, the nuance that you can, you can bring to the table. Um, or, or you know observe in in a, in a given situation, so I think it's, it's more than that. But uh, but maybe uh, m- maybe I'm making more of it than than it deserves.
0: What? What's the worst thing that would happen? Do you think if you were to no longer respond to people before nine a.m. And after, like, I don't know, five, six, something like that. Like, what's the worst thing that would happen, do you think? So, I guess the worst thing
1: that could possibly happen is that uh, it eventually catches up with you. So somebody complains that you're unresponsive and, uh, you know, maybe you get fired.
0: That's the worst thing that could mm-hmm. happen. Do you, how likely do you think, like, as a vice president, cause I, don't, I mean, I have no idea. How likely do you think that would happen if you were responsive during uh, you know very responsive between nine and five or nine and six or whatever but we're off the map afterwards like how how likely do you think you would it would be that you would get fired i think
1: uh i don't think i necessarily get fired but i don't i think i wouldn't get promoted when i'm up for
0: promotion do you want the promotion <laughs> uh not really Yeah. It's interesting, right? Because like, obviously it's the next thing to do. Like I, and Jason keeps talking about his industry. I'll I'll talk about mine for a minute. Like it's like this idea, right? Like once you write, uh, once you get published uh, on an online magazine, then you need to get published in a major magazine and be able to go into like, you know, the grocery store and pick it up and see your name and it's cool. But then after that, you're supposed to write a book. And after that, you're supposed to do open a gym. And after that, you're supposed to do speaking engagements. And it's just like this ladder of supposed to's, and you never really question one if you if you even enjoy it, and two if it's necessary. And so, like, if you already make three times more than you need, um, the only thing that seems like it'd be like a benefit of taking a promotion is the external validation you know, that you get from doing a good job and maybe like it's, it's expected of you. But also I know that you said when you were an associate and moved to vice president that your hours kind of reduced because you, you know, you weren't an associate anymore, but I wonder if that would be the case. I don't know the next, the next, you know, link up the chain or not.
1: Yeah. I think the next rung up means that you're, um, uh, it's less noteworthy when you're, when you're not responsive at 9 PM than, and I think the hurdle sort of declines a little bit and it, it's acceptable if you're not responsive after seven pm for instance um, so yeah I, th- I think there's like a, there, there's definitely benefits to getting that promotion and obviously the compensation in- increases again um, but I'm just not sure i need I need the additional compensation and I think there's probably better uses for my time for my overall happiness and my family's happiness
0: what would it feel like like what would happen? If you got offered a promotion and then you politely turned it down. Uh, Sorry. So, so what, what would it mean?
1: Like what would happen to me? What would happen to my, to the, to my employer? Is that what you were asking?
0: Yeah. Anything like, I mean, I think that would probably be
1: unprecedented. Uh, (laughs) Maybe it wouldn't be, (laughs) but it would probably, it probably, I'd probably be in a pretty rare company if I was offered this promotion and, and declined it because I think if you hang around long enough to be offered that promotion, um, you've already implicitly sent the signal or you know self selected into that path that that's what you want. Um, so it would be you know it'd be very rare that somebody would turn that down. Uh, for me, I think it would be uh, it'd be like vindication. It would be like you know uh, an fu to the path that I've been on that's made me somewhat miserable for the last so, five years.
0: All right. So this is really interesting to me because it seems like there's an opportunity for a test here. And the test is, can you still kick ass at your job and be super responsive or, or all the qualities that you need to be? Um, but at the same time, see if you can reclaim a little bit more of, of your time. And uh, I just be curious If the promotion is in the cards, but you just said that you don't want it, it's like the worst thing that could happen is that you may get fired eventually. But of course, if you do a test for, I don't know, a few days, one week, like it's a, it's a drop in the bucket. Like no one's going to notice, you know, you're not going to get fired in the next week, but there may, there's the potential that you could reclaim hours of your time and spend that time doing something very specific with your daughters or with your family, your wife. Um, So I'm just curious, one, if, if a test sounds interesting to you and two, what that would look like, like maybe we can kind of co-create that if you'd be up for it. I'm, uh, I'm intrigued. I
1: think, uh, yeah, I think, I think it's, it's very possible. I mean, is, of, it doesn't sound like there's a lot of downside, given that I, I'm I've effectively verbalized that I don't want to do this any, anymore. Like, <laughs> what what's the worst that could happen? They fire me and I don't get the promotion. Like I've already said, I don't really want it. At least under the conditions that it, that I perceive to exist today.
0: Well, and it was cool well, about there, this? There, there could even you, be. Oh, sorry. We're doing the thing. Go ahead and talk. I'll shut up.
2: I was going to say that um, the, the interesting thing about it, too, is that it it doesn't necessarily need to be an extreme test. Like you could even attempt two days a week, say like and even like non-critical days. I don't know what the busiest days are, um, but, you know, assuming that maybe like Tuesdays and Thursdays are, are slow days uh, in terms of, of client action, you just decide, all right, so like at 6.30 p.m. on Tuesday and Thursday. I will not check my email until at eight a m the next morning um and it just you know then you can go home at six thirty and spend that time doing anything other than work uh twice a week and so the the rest of the week, like if you are working weekends, if you're working late the rest of those times, you can still do that, but you buy back um i don't know four to six hours a night of of your time twice a week um just to see what happens like what does that enable you to do in terms of like your your time with your family Um, and what does that impact at your job if anything Um, and then you know you can always adjust from there maybe it's only one day that you can get away with or maybe it's five days or seven days that you can get away with doing that and no one notices at work but you see a huge impact at home like it's a really it, it would be really interesting I would actually love to to hear what you land on and you know keep up with with what happens uh kind of follow up
0: on the experiment and and even even before that like I think we're gonna I think we're gonna get off the call with something landed on because uh yeah this sounds interesting to me and I, I, I like I like uh I like ideas and like uh action steps and like what people do with them um I think what's interesting too is like I, I I don't know if it's enough to say like I think the the idea of like once a week or twice a week is a really good start. Like you always want to start something small. And Adam, I know you know this too, right? Like you've you've been successful. Like you you give yourself to it, but like you, you do little small tests and you just see is this a thing worth doing? Um, what positive things happen, what negative things happen, and then how do I calibrate and figure out the next step from that? But I think what's interesting is like I feel like you need to have uh, or I would want to have a thing that I was looking forward to. So if you feel like you don't have enough time necessarily with your family right now, I wouldn't just say, I'm going to shut down at six 30 and then just go home because then like, I don't know, you could get home and then the, you know, the allure of checking your email or your phone just becomes overwhelming. Like I know what that's like too to be excited about something or to like feel like you need to be on to check something. So I'd be curious, like if you could do it one or two days a week, shut down at a certain time and then what one thing would you go do with your family you know what i mean like what would be the most impactful thing that you could do that would make an impact on like your daughter's lives that you think that they would really appreciate having you around for so it's like it's a matter of spe- uh, specificity right now do you have any ideas well it's interesting nate
1: um yeah the things that i could do with my family that would i think um I mean it's actually simple things like eating dinner with them i don't eat dinner with them now um you don't yeah. no no i'm always at work my company what wise, time
0: do you leave work normally till what time yeah what, sorry what time do you leave like normally
1: normally the office um i'd say on average uh so it's any it's anywhere between like 8 and 10 p.m
0: mm, and what time do you go in uh
1: about eight thirty a.m.
0: Okay. Um what would happen if you left at six? One day a week. Nothing. I'm i okay.
1: my prediction is nothing.
0: What uh what's what day are we speaking? I, I know we're we're ahead of you, right? So it's like morning on Friday our time. So I think tomorrow's Friday yeah, for you. It's yeah, it's Thursday night for me right now. What if you left tomorrow at six? Well, tomorrow's good Friday. So no, oh, so happens. you're not even
1: going. But I, I take your point. I normally you know what? On Fridays, I normally try to get out of there by six. I try to I try to get home before my oldest daughter goes to bed on Fridays. Um mm-hmm. so I do normally try to do that, but if, if I expanded that to one of the the days where it's I at least I perceive it to be socially unacceptable to leave at six PM, uh, I predict that Uh,
0: People will notice, and nobody will say a damn thing. Hmm. I think all right. That sounds cool. What day do you want to try it? And again, I'm just like I'm like over here scheming. So I don't know if this is actually a thing that you (laughs) should do. I think (laughs) Um, you know. I I,
1: I take your point. Like Jason was describing, like maybe you do it Tuesdays and Thursdays because those are like the slow days. It's it. My industry doesn't really work that way. It's sort of um, you can get a you know you can get a call on a you know hostile takeover. Uh, we're launching a hostile takeover tomorrow, and you know that call can come at any time. Um, so it it's it's not like certain days are are slower. There's certainly certain periods of the year that are a bit sol- slower. Um, so anyway, the, I guess that's a long way of saying I probably won't decide which day I'm going to do it. But I, it's probably an easier commitment to say I will do it. You know, I will check it off my list one day next week. I will leave. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, uh, by 6 p.m.
2: Mm-hmm. And is it possible to, um, like, so the, uh, to frame this, what I'm, what I'm trying to create here is like a, a hard stop, like some kind of a commitment. Um, because for me, I will work until I'm kind of physically prevented from doing so. Um, and so the 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 way that I've started solving that problem is I I don't bring a computer charger with me and I don't work at home, and so if I go to a coffee shop to set up, the absolute end of my battery, uh, given the the stuff that I use, is typically about six hours. So the longest day I can work if I'm like really energy conscious is eight hours, and then my battery dies and I'm I'm done for the day. Um, and so the the way that uh, that, like theoretically, this could be set up would be to make a, uh, like a dinner reservation or to, um, find some kind of an event. Like, and I don't know what kind of, you know, I, it sounds like your, your kids are young enough that they probably go to bed pretty early. So, um, but if there was something to do, like take them somewhere to see something or, or, um, just anything that creates like an appointment, something that you can't miss. That's
1: interesting, Jason, because I've often found it liberating when I have, uh, you know, um, a, a, a commitment in the evening, and I have to tell my coworkers I'm out. I'm out at six thirty, or I'm out at seven. Like that's liberating. Sorry, guys, I can't. Like, I even if I wanted to, I couldn't possibly stay because I've got this thing I I can't I can't miss. So that's like that's interesting. Like that's I find that very um, like I said liberating. It's easy. It's it's, it's, it's like a built in excuse to myself and to the people that I think are gonna raise an eyebrow when I walk
0: in. And, and here's what's interesting about that, right? It's liberating. And you're like, I have this thing that I cannot miss. And I would assume normally it's like I mean, I, I don't know the nature of what these are, but it may be like another meeting or whatever. But like imagine if you could say, and you may not want to say this, but like I have this thing I cannot miss. I'm gonna go eat dinner with my family at seven PM <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't
1: I don't know why I'm laughing, but uh look that that's that's what it should be. Like that's what it you know that sounds healthy to me.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And even if it was just like a, a standing weekly dinner date, you know, just something, something that you could, you could put on your calendar as blocked out time that it just becomes your hard stop. Like, yeah, every week I have dinner with my family on one of these days. And you could pick that, you know, as the week starts, but like schedule a day to, to be able to have that hard stop. And that hard stop is an appointment with your family. Um, or whatever, it could be an appointment with a friend. it could be an appointment to go play a sport that you like, or you know, anything along those lines that um that is something not work related that is rewarding to you and that currently, you know, because I, I, I feel something that we didn't talk about was that you know the, the one of the reasons that I would feel miserable in my job because my my job is very stimulating to me. Like it's super fulfilling to do the things that I do. So it didn't make sense that I would be sad about my job. Like I'm not actually depressed about the work that I'm doing. What I was depressed about was all of the things that were being left behind in pursuit of the work. So the, the, uh, the things that I wasn't doing, the, the activities that I wasn't performing, um, in, in favor of working all the time. And so to fix that balance and to make my work feel fulfilling again, I needed to figure out what those things were. Like, what am I ignoring? What am I leaving behind? And how can I put enough of that back to feel like my work isn't taking over my life, but that it's complementing a pretty healthy life? Um, So uh, to bring this back around to my point is there a way that you could create some kind of a standing appointment more or less with yourself to do any of those things that brings that happiness and meaning, uh, back and like, and resets that balance with work? Yeah, I, I think a hundred
1: percent I can, I can set that, that mean you know, I said, you know, sometimes uh, a client will call with a, a really pressing engagement and, you know, maybe, maybe a few times I have to, I have to, I have to push it off to the following night, but you know, sixty, seventy, eighty percent of the time I probably make it, which is uh eighty percent more times <laughs> more of the time than I make it now. So mm-hmm. I think that it probably makes a lot of sense, even if I well, even if I do it the majority of the time it's it's a lot more than what I'm getting in right now.
0: And what's cool about this too is uh like th- they're the bigger career questions, right? And the bigger time questions, like, do I want a promotion? Do I want to look at my options and like maybe do something in engineering or something related to finance, but at a in a quote unquote lower level that I make less money and it's less prestigious and whatever, but I, I have more control over my time or whatever. But like that can all come later because I feel like what happens like at the beginning of this call, you said, like, I haven't burned it all down yet. And I feel like, I feel like that's what happens to a lot of people is that they have like these, these things that seem unchangeable and they feel like they have to burn everything down. And I'm, I'm certainly guilty of that. It's something that I've worked on uh, a lot in the past, um, past few years. But what's cool about this little test is that it just gives you like a little breath. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're like, you're like swimming along and you're like, just, this is a stupid fucking analogy, my god. Um, but you come up for you come up for air, and it's just like, how good does that feel? And if that feels good, and it was easy enough to do and simple, how can you continue to get more air? Yeah, I mean that
1: that, that was a stupid fucking analogy, but uh, <laughs> <it's>, uh, <laughs> I get yeah, it. I <laughs> yeah, I think. <laughs> it's, uh, I get where you're going. And, um, and, uh, I might find that those, those breaths, uh, are, are nourishing and
0: I'll, I'll come up for more of them. Yeah. makes good. sense. All right. All right. That, uh, and- way to, way to call me out. <laughs> so- you know, I just like made my, I put myself <laughs> out there and I called myself
2: out and then you had to go say that. That's all right. Um, well to, to, to add maybe a, a different way of, of framing it, it's, it, it's a subtle shift in the way that that things are looked at but it it instead of subordinating your family to work it it switches the the play a little bit because now at least once a week work is subordinated to family and so it it changes the the dynamic of things where instead of feeling like um and I'm going to I'm going to go back to my experience because I I don't want to put words in your mouth but when I was um when I was trying to get out of my overworking, what I noticed was that I always felt like I was trying really, really hard to play catch up so that I could buy some time for myself. And when I changed that dynamic and I started scheduling time for myself and, um, and putting like putting things on my calendar that weren't work-related, what I found happened for me was that I stopped resenting my work because it wasn't preventing me from doing the things that I I wanted to do and instead I, I found that excitement that I used to feel when I first started it because there were breaks and like my my personal life would sometimes prevent me from working on a project that I was really excited about working on and vice versa. my My work would sometimes keep me from doing something that I was really excited about in my personal life and by creating that balance, it there was like this push and pull where I was excited about all the things in my life and not feeling like anything was being kind of left behind. And it was a really subtle shift. It, it's um, it's such a small difference between, you know, the idea of like working for the weekend or, or working and just praying that maybe you'll get a weekend versus I have, you know, two blocks or one block of time a week that's carved out for me and fuck work because I'm doing this. um, And it, it, it just makes that little hole where the, the power dynamic shifts and it's not work is in charge of your life, it's you are in charge of your life and you're choosing to work. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes good sense.
2: I, I, I That that really resonates with
1: me.
0: Let's do this because um, I know we've been on a call for about an hour and I'm assuming it's late and you would like to go to bed maybe. Um, <laughs> I uh, Two things. One, I want you to be able to like... I want to save a little bit of time uh that if you're curious about anything and you want to ask jason and i a question i mean i don't maybe i don't know if you have anything that you want to know or anything that you're curious about or that you want to talk about but i want to save some time for that um but before that based on all the stuff that like we've kind of talked about just to to get really clear what do you think your next step will be and like what are you going to do specifically and when are you going to do it i'm just I'm curious to hear you kind of like give it back to us in a, in a succinct way. So no pressure. Sure. <laughs> sure. Uh, uh,
1: I think the next step is, um, isn't for me to make this decision on my own because it affects, it affects, uh, you know, what goes on in my household. The next step is for, uh, for me to discuss with my wife. Um, what, what kind of lifestyle would make us happy um, and whether or not we want to engage in this type of experiment. And I think, I think it's pretty, it's a pretty low risk experiment. And if so, I think it would be, let's start with one or two days a week and maybe we can carve those days out at a time um, where I'm home by 6 PM and I eat dinner with my kids and I put my girls to bed and then she and I have the rest of the night to ourselves to do whatever it is that, that, um, you know, that makes us happy. I think that's probably next steps. And, and I think, you know, it could go either way. Like maybe she, maybe we come, she and I come to the conclusion that, that, um, you know, the lifestyle is, is definitively not for us for, you know, maybe it's not just about time. Maybe it's about, uh, the way it makes me feel and the way, uh, you know, the, the, the attention that it, it, it garners, uh, even when I am at home or, you know, something like that. So it's not, mm-hmm. it's not definitive, but I think the, likely outcome is that we start talking about ways to make, the job fit into a happy uh, balance
0: for, uh, for us. I actually have one more question and I can't believe I haven't asked this yet. How does your wife feel about your career and the way that things are going right now?
1: Um, I don't think she likes it at all. It's not, it's not uh, our lifestyle is completely inequitable because um, you know, all those, all those icky things like you're taking the kids to school and, feeding them and putting them to bed and changing their diapers and giving them medicine when they're sick. All of that icky shit is her responsibility. And I often tell people, Oh, my wife's wonderful. She takes care of the kids while I go to work. And really what I think I've come to the conclusion or the realization that what I really mean is it's wonderful that my wife handles all this shit that I deem not important enough for me to do. Mm -hmm. And it's completely inequitable because she doesn't have any time to herself. and, And it's incumbent upon her to do all that shit or icky icky mum work um, Mm. while I'm off uh, saving the world (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's interesting
0: thanks for for sharing that man I was just curious about that because it'd be very different right if your wife was like keep going honey like bring in lots more money and I actually don't like seeing you that often
1: yeah no luckily for me that's not the
0: case um (laughs) Is there uh just to be respectful of your time, I totally feel free to hang up if you want to right now, but is there anything that you else you want to talk about? Like anything that we didn't cover with you specifically or anything that you want to ask Jason or myself?
1: Yeah, I can't I can't believe I didn't I didn't have my list of of questions pre-prepared. Um because I definitely thought of stuff when the when the, as the, as the call was approaching and now that you're asking me I'm drawing a blank here. Um you know, the only thing that I will say is that uh like I I sort of touched on it a couple of times and I didn't, I didn't get go into a lot of detail, but, um, a a lot of what I've accomplished in my life is because I was, I was consistently seeking the approval of others and like looking for that gold star. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's driven really positive things in my life. Like I got a great education and I've, I've done a lot with that education, I think. Um, but I've driven a lot of bad behavior as well, because I've because I've sought that external validation from people that I've I've perceived in to be in authority positions. I've I've demoted in my life people and and sort of taken for granted my family and my friends, um, and for at least for some time my health. Uh, and I've sort of I've sort of repatriated that. I've sort of taken that back, but I've demoted a lot of really important things in my life and taken them for granted because I I felt like. Well, my family's not going to leave me, and my my friends aren't going to leave me, but my job might. So I got to I got to keep those plates spinning, um, and it's become unhealthy. So I've, I've sort of turned uh, hard work and discipline, which are like positives, into 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 negatives in, in some way. So they like I, actually, Jason, your your article on on the uh, cult of work really brought this to the fore, like it sort of crystallized my thinking around it, um, mm. that those sort of qualities in me have, have have been perversed, like they've been turned negative because I've, I've sort of like overplayed that hand at the expense of a sure. lot of things in my life. Um, so now I'm, I'm I'm starting to look for that validation and that happiness and that contentment internally rather than externally. And it's been like, I've used the term liberating a couple times on this call. That has been like very, very liberating and freeing. Uh, not, you know, not giving a fuck what other people think uh, at least to some extent, you know, like within reason and, um, and doing things uh, my way uh, and I'm doing curious. things, doing things that I, I think have value in their own right. Not because I think it's what somebody else wants from me.
0: What have you done? Just because I feel like if if we put this out and people listen to it, like, I think that's going to resonate with a lot of people, right? It resonates with me too. I'm curious, what specific things have you done to regain that and to, to kind of liberate yourself? Like, is there anything that you've done? Was it like a, just a mind shift change or is it something like, you know, physical or, you know, is there like an act that you did? Yeah,
1: sure. I mean, there's been, there's been a couple of like little things and none of them are are, uh, are groundbreaking or, or momentous. But um, so there's been, there's been a series of, you know, meetings in which the, uh, you know, the most senior person in my firm is at has canvassed the room for their opinion. And people like me are meant to clam up. Like that's a perfect opportunity to shut your mouth. Um, and I haven't, and I've spoken my mind. And uh, in the past I would have, I would, I would have been hyper conscious of, of um, what other people thought of me and whether or not I said the right thing. And now I'm liberated from those reservations. Um, and I see a lot of nodding heads in the room when I, you know, it doesn't mean all my ideas are, are brilliant, but um, I think <laughs> I think I have something to bring to the table. Um, so that that that's been like one experiment that I've. I've been sort of pushing a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. There's been a couple other little things. My, um, this is silly, but uh, I started wearing my running shoes into the office, and I've started not changing out of my running shoes. <laughs> so I'm kind of wearing my running shoes around the office. I'll be wearing a, a suit and tie, and it's a very very formal environment. Everybody's walking around with their wingtips, and uh, I walk by the head of investment banking uh, the other day. And he said, nice shoes. And without, without even like breaking stride, I said, Hey, you too. Thanks. I just kept walking <laughs> because I didn't care. I didn't like, what's the worst. Like again, what's the worst that's going to happen? He's going to fire me. Go ahead. I'm not, I'm, <laughs> I'm bringing it on. Uh,
0: you know? uh so I mean, it's a
1: really, it's really a really small Definitely thing. get away. Say that again. Sorry.
0: So it could chase you and he could definitely get away. Yeah. Yeah. That's right.
1: <laughs> that I'm faster than you. Uh, so, I mean it's a really it's a really small thing, but it, it's symbolic of the, the change in my attitude. So it's not mm-hmm. it's not like I said, it's not momentous, but it I think it's really indicative of of the uh the shift that I have in perspective of, you know, other people's um you know, my, my self worth and my that need for validation from other folks is is certainly diminished.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh I, I think I don't think it needs to be huge monumental change. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, we all know this, but the, the best habits are kept by just doing little small things consistently. And it seems like you're you're doing that, uh, which is really, really cool to see. So it feels like, you know, after talking to your wife and figuring out like, kind of your next step, whether it's like being home for dinner a night a week or whatever, it's just another like small progression uh, on that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Jason, do you have anything else you want to ask him or talk about? No, I I think uh, you've got um, on some good
2: rants. (laughs) I I will, I will limit my rants, but I I do want to ask Adam, if you don't mind, um, I would, I would love to kind of follow along with your, with your journey here and like Mm -hmm. kind of hear where you land and, and how the experiment goes. If you do decide to move forward with the experiment, would you mind, uh, sharing that with us and, and with our audience? yeah absolutely or, no I wouldn't mind just is what, is what I meant. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah I, i'd lo- I'd like that uh, and if anybody else derives any value from it it would uh it'd give me a lot of pleasure to to uh to oblige them
0: that's cool. I think we'll, Ooh, we'll yeah and as a follow up with you maybe in a week or so and just kind of see where you're at like where, you, where you've kind of landed on things just through email and uh to see what see
2: what happened yeah, for sure that sounds awesome guys. Awesome. All right, Adam. Well, if, if you don't have any questions, I think we'll, we'll let you get to bed. Great. And uh, yeah, I guess you guys are uh, starting your days.
0: Yeah. 830
2: AM. <laughs> <Yeah>. Vietnam.
1: <laughs> All right. Cheers. It was a, uh, it was a real pleasure to chat with both of you. Yeah, it
0: was good talking. All right, thanks to a lot. You, Take care. Okay. Thanks guys. All right. Later.